The Old Testament reading for the second Sunday after Christmas is from Genesis chapter 46, beginning at the first verse. So Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. And God spoke to Israel in visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Here am I. Then he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I will make you into a great nation. I myself will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you up again. And Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. Then Jacob set out from Beersheba. The sons of Israel car carried Jacob, their father, their little ones and their wives, in the wagons that Pharaoh had sent to carry him. They also took their livestock and their goods, which they had gained in the land of Canaan, and came into Egypt. Jacob and all his offspring with him, his sons and his sons' sons with him, his daughters and his sons' daughters. All his offspring he brought with him into Egypt. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Save us, O Lord our God and gather us from among the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. You, O Lord, are our Father. Our Redeemer from of old is your name. The epistle is from 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning at the 12th verse. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah, 
my mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. And let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel is written in the second chapter of St. Matthew, beginning at the 13th verse. Three be to thee, Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I have called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its districts, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet. A voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Now, when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the young young child's life are dead. Then he arose and took the young child and his mother and came to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee. And then he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. This is the gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation. Raquel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted because they are no more. They are no more. That's why she weeps. In highlighting Ramah, and not just Bethlehem when considering the slaughter of the holy innocents is really an interesting direction that Matthew takes. Because you see, Ramah only appears here in the Gospel of Matthew. It's the only time in the New Testament that it's, that it's pointed out. But to the Hebrew mind, to the Old Testament mind, Ramah has a, has a deep and uh, nuanced significance. Unlike Bethlehem and Egypt and Nazareth, which are very common to the, to the Christmas narrative, the Christmas story, Ramah's significance is much deeper, much more complex. In fact, Matthew 2 verse 18 is almost a direct quotation of Jeremiah 31:15, which says, "A voice is heard in Ramah." Lamentation and bitter weeping, Rachel weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Yes, Rachel or Raquel, her anguish, her anguish is so significant 
that she doesn't want our comfort. She refuses it. It's interesting that, that Ramah is mentioned by the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah is the weeping prophet. He's the one that has to witness the train wreck that is the last days of the southern kingdom of Judah, the last remnant of Israel. He witnesses this train wreck. He witnesses this collapse because the people refuse God and they refuse his truth. And so they, they, they plunge headfirst into disaster. And nothing that Jeremiah tells the people do they listen to. If you stood beside your child's grave, you understand what moves Rachel or Rachel to speak the words she speaks or to understand what is being described of her. I know not long ago, I had to attend the funeral of one of my best friend's only child and there were no words at this young woman's funeral, there were no words that I could bring. All I could do is hug him and weep with him. Now, did my friend not know that his daughter was with the Lord in heaven? He knew. She was a believer. And as a believer, he understands, as I do, that those who believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. Could I say that she's in a better place? Well, that is also true. Those who believe in are baptized shall be saved. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Yes, and baptism is the antitype which saves us. She, he knew that. She believed it. At that moment, those aren't words that I was to speak. And I know that if I had been on the other end of that line, that receiving line, I know that that had been my child's funeral. Even though I know all these things are true, I wouldn't be ready to hear them from you or from him. I would just want him to embrace me and weep with me. And that's where Rachel is. That's where Raquel is. She is weeping for her children because she, is, she observes the slaughter of her little ones and there is no comfort in this for her. And she does not want to hear our easy words of comfort, our lightly granted words of comfort. In her grief, there is nothing that you and I can say to Rachel, to Raquel, there's nothing we can say to her that makes it better because her children are no more. They're no more. And so she refuses our comfort. She doesn't want us to parakaleo her, to come up beside her and speak nice things. There's nothing nice about what she's going through. And this Ramah, this, this Ramah is, is significant. It's, it's significant for several reasons. First, it's synonymous with, with Raquel's tomb. She's buried at Ramah. That's the place where, where Jacob had to bury his beloved wife. And so in the Hebrew mind, Ramah is, 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 not, is, is a cemetery. It's a place of death. It's a place of bitter mourning, of regret, of endings. It's also where she had the crisis pregnancy of her final child, Benjamin. And it's thought that when she gives birth to Benjamin, that she dies in childbirth or dies soon after from complications from it. 
So for, for the Hebrew, Ramah, and for Jacob and his, and his, and his, and his descendants, Ramah is a place deeply nuanced. Additionally, when the Israelites, when their train wreck was complete and, and the Babylonians had taken Jerusalem and burned its gates with fire and the people, the survivors were being herded together before their transportation into exile in Babylon, it was at Ramah that the prisoners were taken before they b- began their forced march to Babylon. Ramah. Ramah. And the final significance of Ramah is that it's actually five miles north of Jerusalem. If you all know the geography of the Holy Land, Bethlehem is about two and a half to three miles south of Jerusalem. So five miles north of Jerusalem. So if you think about that, that's, that, that means that the, the, the circle, if you took a, a, a compass and you made a circle around Bethlehem, that that circle of death that Herod unleashes upon the, the little children of that region was about 10, mile, 10 miles in every direction is what Herod killed. Killed every little boy two years and younger in that whole swath. That's a lot of murder. That's a lot of innocent blood being shed. That's a lot of reasons to weep. And that's why Rachel, she will not, she will not be comforted. And what Herod did, though, is significant for our faith, right? It is significant. Why? Because, you see, these infant martyrs, they bear, bear martus, they bear witness with their blood to the truth that Jesus Christ is real. He's not mythology. He's not some interesting story from the first century, but rather Jesus Christ is real. And why do I say that? I say that because, you see, no one commits murder. No one takes a human life unless they perceive there to be a real, honest, and genuine threat. The Christmas accounts are true. Jesus' identity as the son of David, as the legitimate king of, of the Jews, that, that is a true statement. Otherwise, why would have Herod done what he did? I mean, I'm just reasonably certain about you in this room this morning. We who gather here, I don't think any of you are in this room are murderous. I don't think any of us in this room, you know, say, I'm going to commit murder today. Or I'm going to take another another human's life. But I'm also reasonably certain that if you thought that you had to use force to protect your loved ones and to protect yourself, that you would do so up into the level of deadly force if necessary. Just like we witnessed in Texas last last Sunday where a gunman comes into a church and starts starts killing members. And what happens? Other members use deadly force to defend those people. I'm sure they didn't get up that morning wanting to do that. And so Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all the region who were two years old and under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. The wise men. As these holy innocents, as the church later designates these infant martyrs, they give witness that Herod was convinced that Jesus really is the Messiah. And if you think about it, if Herod was convinced that Jesus is real, 
then why don't we? Why aren't we convinced? I mean, he was convinced enough to kill. Why aren't we convinced enough to love each other and forgive each other? And to do unto others as we would like them to do unto us. Oh, pastor, I, I believe that Jesus is real, right? I mean, I, I, I mean that's, the, that's, the, that's the confirmation answer, right? Is Jesus real? Yeah, your confirmation, yeah, it's real. He's real. Is he? I mean, with our lips, we say he's real. But do our, do our actions m- match our lips? I mean, I don't know that mine, mine do. I mean, we can be honest with each other, can we not? I mean, Jesus, Jesus says in Matthew 15, and is he not speaking of us when he says, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, these people, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching his doctrines the commandments of men. Does this not describe all of us? Can any of us deny that we have lived as if God did not matter and as if, God, as if we mattered most? Have we not broken all of his commandments? I mean, St. James says that if you keep all the commandments and yet fail in one point, you've broken all of it. Right? And this is the final day of Christmas. This is, this is Twelfth Night. You know, this is it. You know, this is the last day of the, of the Feast of Christmas. This is the real Christmas, not the world's Christmas, but the, world, the real Christmas. This is the last day of it. Should we not give to people during Christmas the gifts that they desire, or at least attempt to give that to them? And yet, what do we give God what he desires? What does God desire? Well, Jesus says in John 14, 23, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. So, do we love Jesus? It's easy to say we do. It's a lot different to do it, isn't it? Do we fear, love, and trust in God above all things? Do we remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy? Do we render under Caesar the things that are Caesar's and give unto God the things that belong to God? Or do we not rob God with our tithes and our offerings? The list goes on and on, doesn't it? Be not deceived. God is not mocked. As a man sows, so shall he also reap. God tells us in Galatians. Yep. Herod did what he did because he knew. He knew something that we tend to forget. That Jesus Christ really is who the angels declare him to be. That Jesus really is the King of kings and Lord of lords. That he truly is the legitimate ruler and heir of David. And he truly is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now Herod failed in killing him because the angels intervened. And Joseph obeyed what the angels told him. But Jesus did come to die. Make no mistake. Jesus' death was intentional. Jesus came in order to die so that we who are dead might live. Jesus sacrificed himself came to sacrifice himself as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world upon the cross. And that is what he does at at Good Friday so that he might be resurrected 
so that we who are dead might also rise from our graves. Yes. The tragedy about King Herod, and I mean this in all honesty, the tragedy of King Herod is that poor Herod misunderstands Jesus' threat. Jesus was never a threat to Herod. He did not care about the Hasmoneans. Jesus was, is only a threat to our sin and to death and to the devil. No. No, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. And that includes Herod. But that, but that in order that the world might be saved through him. Yes, whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. So, Rachel weeps because while Herod believed in Jesus' existence, he did not believe that Jesus was his Savior. Does Rachel Rachel weep for us? In the name of Jesus, amen.